Turkaholics and welcome back to Football a la Turka. My name is Kaan Bayezid and I'm joined again by Burak Yilmaz and Umut Nair. Right? Right? No. Whoa. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I see what you done there. Yeah, oh my god. I you made it. us into Peshi Tash players. Did it on purpose this time. Um, a shot Of course, uh, Burak Sizgin, <laughs> the man of the law. And Umut uh, Umut Nadiri. Hey, hey, that's confusing. It's confusing. Umut Nadiri, of course, the man with the amazing hair that he uh, shaved, I think. Or do you have a big uh, Fellaini hairdo again these days? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna manage it to uh, like make it longer again. Okay, that's. uh, you know, Pixar it didn't happen, right? Um, yeah, if you're listening to this and you found us through our new podcasting network, Big Heads Media, then thank you very much for coming and checking us out. We hope you will enjoy our program and will continue to listen and, of course, subscribe uh, on Apple iTunes or uh, Google Chrome, uh, Google Play, whatever. Um, so please... Uh, Leave us a review and stuff like that. Uh, but definitely, I hope you'll enjoy the episode. So, uh, for the listeners we already have, of course, we're embarking on a new adventure. We're joining the Big Heads Media Group. Uh, that means we'll be uh, sharing a, a network with a lot of other big podcasts, uh, such as, uh, from the top of my head, the, the Serie A show, for example, of my friend uh, Nima Tavalai and John Solana, Chloe Bel- Belsford, I think. Uh, so definitely go check that out. Um, the main difference you'll notice that uh, we'll have some um, cross-promotion going on, some uh, advertisements spliced into the episode, which you may notice. I'm not sure if that will be in effect this week already. We are still in the midst of moving uh, the podcast, but we have already signed the paperwork, so it's already official. It just, you know... May may take a couple of more days before it's all uh, said and done and, and actually gone into practice. But uh, that's uh, that for we already talked about it a little bit last week, of course. Um, but guys, you definitely had an exciting week. Uh, Burak in particular, you had your big uh, dance off last week. How did it go? Uh, well, yes, uh, the Salesforce strictly dancing extravaganza went very well. I was dancing a tango after four weeks of lessons and pleased to say that I was runner-up with my dance partner which is very very good but most importantly we were also voted the people's champions so this was where there were about sort of 50 tables at the event and each table had an envelope where you could donate some money because it was an event for charity so you would donate and select your favorite dance couple from the evening after all the dances had finished of which there were 12 and it was excellent because we went up on stage we got our runners up award came back from stage and then our names were called again so we went back up on stage got our awards came back down and it was great i think we may have shared the link to the the dance on our social media but if not we will i'll do that after the episode so the next few days you'll be able to go to our facebook page or our twitter account and see the link to my dance and leave me comments um i wore a very fetching black and red outfit so you could say i went for the eskishihir sport colors there um but it was really fun event i would recommend ballroom dancing to anyone who wants to have a bit of fun improve their fitness a little bit um it's great for couples or if you're going on your own 
then you will make loads of friends there as well. So I bought home two trophies. So from now on, you can call me Porak Two Cups. Thank you very much. More trophies than Fenerbahce have won in the last five years. Congratulations, Burak Sezgin, for that. Someone uh, has to do it, right? Exactly. Umut, what, what did, were you up this week? Did you do some dancing? Uh, I couldn't, to be honest, because I was uh, busy with my assignments. As the semester ends, uh, all the things just scramble and up because uh, getting harder each week. Uh, I think it will be getting easier after the semester ends and I'll have some free time for my own. What happened to your uh, your British accent? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, well, glad to be here with you guys. Of course, as you have already noticed, Jakub Marofolo and uh, Uzar Ginger aren't here. Uzar had to um, work with the new guy at work, so he couldn't make any time today for uh, recording, unfortunately. And uh, Jakub couldn't be here either. So hopefully uh, both of them will be back next week. So for the new listeners among you, usually we have two more guys on the podcast guy who supports Trabzonspor, which is Jakub, and then another Galtry fan. I don't know why we have two of those. Um, but yeah, I'm the Besiktas guy, Burak is the Fenerbahce guy, and Umut is the Galtry guy. So no Trabzonspor guy this week, uh, and no double-team Galtry guys uh, either. So <laughs> that's for the new people, in case uh, you may have found uh, the podcast uh, through Big Heads Media, or any other way. Uh, so let's get uh, into... Um, yeah, the proceedings. Let's get into what happened in Turkish football this week because uh, quite a bit happened. Uh, plenty to talk about in the league, of course. But before we get to that, we're quickly going to cover the ra- the fifth round of the Turkish Cup as most Super League teams, uh, well, basically all Super League teams have now entered into the Cup. Uh, a couple of them already had entered the previous round. But uh, let's go into the results of the first legs of uh, the fifth round. So... Fatih Karagümrük, we're going to start there. They lost at home to Göztepe, 1-2. So Super League side Göztepe gets the advantage there. And in the next match, Super League side Malatya Spor gets the advantage over uh, Kichiorin Gücü uh, by a 3-1 margin at home. Alanya Spor made quick work of Adana Spor, winning 5-1. And Sivas Spor on the road did the same against uh, Erok Spor, winning 2-0, so a good advantage for them. Fenerbahce also gaining a very good advantage going into the second leg, winning 4-0 against the former Super League side Istanbul Spor, who are currently in the second division in Turkey. Uh, and then we have uh, Hekimon Trabzon who lost 1-0 at home to Basakşehir. So advantage Basakşehir there. And then Eyüp Spor lost at home to Antalya Spor 3-0. So advantage Antalya Spor there. And then Kasim Pasha won at home against Van Spor 2-1. Van, some of you may remember them. They used to be in the Super League a long time ago. Then Bükşehir Belediye Erzurum Spor beat Bursa Spor 4-2 at home. This is the only match that did not involve a Super League side. Both of these teams, of course, in the second tier of Turkish football and Erzurum. Uh, here getting the advantage uh, with four goals to two, so a good result for Erzurumspor. Then we have uh, Altai losing at home to Trabzonspor. That match ended one to two, so advantage Trabzonspor. And then the big shocker of uh, the Turkish Cup midweek results was Galatasaray Tuzla Spor. This match ended nil to two in favor of Tuzla Spor. 
then we have Kirklareli Spor, who lost, oh, actually beat Gaziantep Football Club 2 to 1. So Gaziantep, the only other Super League side to lose midweek in the Turkish Cup. Then we have Kayseri Spor edging out Manisa Football Club 3 to 2. So advantage again to the Super League side Kayseri Spor there. Altinorder losing 3-5 at home to Denizli Spor. Again, uh, Super League side getting the advantage. Then Rize Spor winning 3-2 against neighbors Samsung Spor. Uh, again, Super League side with the advantage there. Besiktas then closed the Turkish Cup week uh, with a 3-0 win over Yirmidurt Erzincan Spor. That's the results midweek. Um, not much to talk about. Maybe quick thoughts on uh, Fenerbahce's uh, display uh, midweek, Burak? I'm just really happy to see Ferdi get some minutes. Um, he showed that he's growing in confidence. I think what we're doing with him is somewhat trying to protect him from the the fanfare there's a big fuss around him in the turkish media and a lot of the fans are are clamoring and crying out for him to be starting in super league matches i was discussing this with a number of my other friends and some really want to see him start and some are saying well the club's come off the worst season in you know a long time and it would have been harmful to play him then and we're still you know top Arlanios, as Turks would say you know this season so let's not thrust him into the fire but ease him in, in gradually so he had a great showing also good to see other players get some minutes uh, such as Sadiq and, and Miha Zaitz who I'm still a big fan of um, big fan of Sadiq as well I just think he came in last season at a horrendous time and of course it was great to see Vidak get some minutes under his belt and try and work his way back to fitness so um, a solid display um, it shows we have um, a good squad um, I know it's uh, Istanbul sport but you still need to go out and put away whoever's in front of you so a solid display good effort and you could see the form from that game led into our uh, game at the on Friday against Genshler, which we'll talk about in a second. So, yeah, um, happy with the performance, and I think we could put together a good cup run this season, hopefully. And how about you, Umut? Any thoughts on Galatasaray's uh, defeat uh, at the hands of Tuzla Spor? Well, it shows that how our reserve team sucks, even at playing at home, uh, you know... But didn't try to intervene the game after uh, having conceding these goals, uh, like uh, subbing Belhanda and Jimmy Dumas kind of plays in, but it didn't affect because uh, Tuzlaspor already went on the uh, defending side of the game and there was no gap on the defense that we can just get inside from it. And I saw that how. Emre Moore is ineffective, even though playing against a lower side, lower tier kind of team. Like he doesn't take responsibility. He, oh, I don't know. The man just wants to show off, and uh, and we just uh, sucked during the whole game. Uh, we couldn't finish, and uh, even though we had Eren Jan, who is. Uh, striker even though he's a younger guy uh terim uh, uh terim played him during the club bridge game but even though he had him on the bench in this game he he put he just put ryan dong on the uh striker side 
but couldn't even score a goal. So uh, we just, you know, uh, played really bad during the game. Do you see, uh, how do you see Galtzar's chances uh, to rectify this in the return leg? Yeah, I think because of this result, uh, Fatim will gonna start with a proper for, uh, formation and players uh, for the second leg to get a win from them. Uh, I think it's easier with the uh, better team out here playing uh, good football because uh, on the weekend we saw that Galatasaray played a proper game with proper players uh, but playing with the reserve team uh, and the players, those are not ready and uh, I think uh, some doesn't want to play uh, even though uh, we don't see them playing often like uh, Emre Mor, uh, uh, as I recall correctly, uh, he said that uh, the fans shouldn't be uh, like expecting me to uh, contribute to the score line because I haven't taken enough time. But as you see, we could we seen the Omar Bayram kind of player who is being contributing to the score line from the start of the season, even though he has been played in a different role and different position. Uh, where he used to play, and I don't think this is an ex excuse uh, to be told by a player. And uh, it's been pretty bad for Galatasaray. Uh, and we need a player who is like, uh, as I said in the previous episode, Onyekuru kind of player who is fast and who is a finisher to like take the game out uh, because. Uh, in these times, Galatasaray lack that kind of play. We don't have a fast play on the pitch. Uh, you see Besiktas having Enkudu, uh, Diaby, uh, Fenerbahce having Rodriguez. Uh, if you can say, uh, who's the other guy? Uh, and Moses, you can co uh, count them as well. But we don't have any kind of plays we, uh, similar to that, uh, you know, yeah, plus you'll lack half the team due to injuries and stuff, so... Of yeah. Course, yeah. Uh, you may have the opportunity, of course, to bring Henry Onyekuru back on loan, perhaps, in January, as he is uh, really not getting uh, a lot of opportunities at uh, Monaco uh, right yeah, now. Yeah, uh, but uh, having him uh, coming as a loan uh, will make us into a lot of more trouble, because right now, half of our team uh, is built on loanees, uh, like Lemina and uh, some other players as well, and it will mean that on the summer we have to build another team by paying more amounts. So even though we, we're in crisis, uh, this will mean that we're going to be bankrupt like after several years, like how Besiktas did in the last three years or so. Uh, mm -hmm. they, they were building up a newer generation, going really good, and they... Uh, broken a record in the Champions League groups and qualified as the first team but after that but nothing after happened that everything collapsed so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah true but of course the economical situation in Turkey yeah, plays I a think... big part in everything and it's all dif difficult to I think transferring a player of Onyekuru's quality is, is not uh, very easy right now for, for any Turkish team I mean you have to be able to pay 15 million euros or, or more uh, that's, yeah. that's not something I think any club can do right now. Well, 
we have seen gods right do funnier stuff but realistically they shouldn't be spending that type of money but let's move on to the super yeah. games because otherwise we're going to have a three-hour episode yeah <laughs> let's move on to friday and let's have burak uh, have his say over fenerbahce's emphatic win against gensterberly this match ended five to two the scoring started in the eighth minute and it was gensterberly who got the scoring started against the run of play through giovanni siu but Vida muric equalized with a very uh, well, I, I used the word before, but an emphatic header in the 23rd minute uh, on uh, Mauricio Isla cross. Very nice goal uh, to make it 1-1 after 23 minutes. Then Luis Gustavo with a screamer from outside the box in the 32nd minute made it 2-1 to Fenerbahce. And Vedat Muric with a... Well, I'm, I'm just going to leave the commentary to Burak on this one, but a f- very good goal in the 39th minute from uh, Muric to make it 3-1. And then it took a while. Fenerbahce took the foot off the gas pedal a little bit, but in the 74th minute, Ferdi Cadiolo made it 4-1 with another uh, great strike from outside the box. And then Bogdan Stanko managed to pull one back for um, Gensterberli. But in the 87th minute, finally, Max Kruse got his goal and made it 5-2. He also had a goal disallowed earlier in the match already, uh, I believe, for offside. So the full-time scoreline reads 5-2 for Fenerbahce. And uh, I think we're going to get about two or three minutes of gushing over the man Vedat Muric from Burak right now. Uh, what can I say? I, I'm in love. Um, I think, I think one of, you know, the best target man striker we've had arguably since Pierre van Hooydonk. Um So he just... Oh, he's just beautiful to watch, isn't he? He's... Um, before I, st- we, I start the loving for, for Vedat uh, uh, Muriki, um, Cruz's goal, was, it was handball because he handled the ball. Right, and right, that's right, what yeah, so, But, you know, that gave him the sniff for goal, which was good because it's good to see his confidence in improving. Um, must say, Genslow did come out to attack, I think, since Hamza Hamzaul has come in, they do ship and leak a lot of goals. But since Hamza's come in, they start... They've started to score uh, a few more as well. So they've got some great players in Sio and Stanku who both got on the score sheet. And you have to give your hats off to, to Sio. He scored a, a fantastic goal in the eighth minute. Um, the ball came into him. And this is after Gary Rodriguez had spurned two chances again. So that that boy, um, he he's doing a bit of a papi cisse, isn't he? He'll get 10 chances and he might score two or three of them and then miss the rest. Um, but he does have his, his good points, but he is extremely frustrating to watch at times. But, you know, still love you, Gary. But now, Sio's goal was, oh, you should definitely check this out. He, he got the ball, turned on a sixpence, and with that left foot of it, rifled it past Altai. I think he had Gustavo and Sadok trying to close him down, but he was just too quick. So, just goes to show... Against I do have some quality up front, but we go to their defence. I mean, the first goal is, is you know you look at Veda and he's extremely powerful. He's a tall guy. I think he's six foot three, six foot four. He's built. He, his wife feeds him raw meat, as we all know, to get his strength up. And it was just a a good headed goal. And he kind of. I don't want to say here he missed a chance earlier. I'm not sure when it came to him, but there was a opportunity that came to him where he kind of missed it, could have stuck out his leg a little bit more. I'm not sure if that's due to his lack of match fitness, but if we skip to his second goal, I mean, that is, 
I was discussing this with for a few friends of mine as well, and that is just pure battle and resolve, and that's what coming up through the the lower ranks of football and coming from pretty much nothing does instills in you. Maybe it comes from his his heritage as well, um, his Kosovan heritage. He's got that that warrior, that, that Dardanian spirit within him. But a great goal, just to not give up the ball, chase it down, sliding, and then poke it past the keeper. And that, I think, just embodies a spirit of, of the man. He will, he will fight, he'll scratch and claw, and he'll do his best. And great goal. Um, following another Luis Gustavo special, that's the kind of shot that he likes to do. I must say, the ref did really well in the lead-up to the goal as well, because I think Isla was fouled and... Some of the players looked at the, the ref to say, hey, what's going on? But he played the advantage as we're going forward. So a good bit of refereeing there. And Gustavo with his trademark finish into the bottom left-hand corner past the goalkeeper. You would have expected maybe the goalkeeper could have done a little bit better. But, you know, I think maybe a Muslera or a Jun, if they were in goal after their space at the weekend, they would have saved that. But great goal by, by Luis Gustavo. And then... Half time, off goes Sardar Aziz. Hopefully, it's nothing too serious. And in comes the Wonder Kid, the people that everyone is talking about, Farda Kadoulu. And you've got to say, 74th minute, he scores a great goal. Um, I just love the way he wears his socks as well, halfway down his shin. This is very sort of Gerd Muller esque from, from the 70s. But he got the ball on the edge of the area, and his first instinct was to, to shoot. It wasn't to look out to the wing to see if he could pass it out wide. He didn't want to pass it back. And I think that comes from the confidence that he gained from his display against Istanbul Sport. I think he played a full 90 minutes. And whatever's happened at training or at Samandara, Faradu himself has come out and said, you know, I need to work harder on my game and chances will be afforded to me. So it looks like something has almost changed his mentality, whether he's understood that he is a you know a talented young footballer, but he's also a, a club like Fenerbahce, where sometimes you need to be protected a little bit from both the media and the fans, and also to have a good relationship with the the manager. So a great goal, nonetheless, pinged into the top left hand corner, um, and like you said, Khan just completely took our foot off the gas pedal, lost concentration, and Stanku came in with a a goal for against Lad. Wasn't worried about that, to be fair. Um, and right at the end, you had Gary Rodriguez running down the wing, and I thought, please, please cross it. Please square it to Max. Please square it to Max. Don't try and shoot. Don't try and shoot. You've tried to shoot about three or four times this game already and completely messed it up. But, you know, little Gary gets his head up, gives it to Max, and he gets the goal that he's been, been crying out for. So he now has one goal to match his six assists. And so all around, and just a, a good attacking performance by us. Started started well, went a goal down, didn't let our heads drop. Um, I knew that Genshtar were there for the taking just because every time we attacked, we just seemed to create something. So I think Hamza really needs to work on their defence um, if he wants to. I don't know if they're going to be in any danger of like dropping down or getting anywhere near the, the, the relegation. I know they're like 13th at the moment, but they do have firepower. They can score, unlike other teams that are at the bottom at the moment who are having trouble scoring so 
but they were dispatched, I think, quite easily. Um, it was a fun match to watch just because of the attacking football that Fenner played. It was good to see Suddock have a good game. I think he's maybe regaining some of that confidence and some of that performance that he showed everyone at the Malatya Sport last season when he was being touted as a potential um, centre-back for the national team. I don't think he's getting anywhere near that uh, for, for the time being. Um, but at least he can you know, start to maybe rebuild his career a little bit for us because Sardar Aziz isn't going get, to get, be getting any younger and he's injured, obviously, and quite regularly. So it would be good to see... I'd like to see him and Luis Gustavo at the back, you know, the, the battle of the Afros, um, to see who can get past who first. But good performance by the team. I think it was very important to come off the back of two away draws um, and, of course, going into Sivasport away next weekend. And that, that man, Vedat Muriki, I mean, I hope the Kosovo actually qualify for the Euro so he has a chance to perform on a big stage. Um I hope that we can keep him for at least another season because um, there is a hope that we can potentially get some European football next season, which would be good for us. Mm-hmm. Hopefully Champions League, um, fingers crossed. But I think with this performance this season, if he can perform again the next season after this, I think we could easily get €25 million Euros plus for him. Mm. Um, I think he'll need to perform very well in the Champions League if you want to get any anywhere near €20 million. I think we definitely will. Someone played. You see what they paid for Elif, and he yeah, hardly Elif played. Is, Elif is eighteen, nineteen years old. He's a big talent, supposedly. Uh, I, I, you know, I, as you may know, I, I, I'm not a big fan, but mm-hmm. you know, there's a big difference. Vedat um, will be what twenty six next year, so you know, it's kind he's of going to be. He's going to be coming, coming into that, coming into that prime. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, but he'll need to score uh, Champions League goals if uh, you want to get the twenty-plus uh, type of money, like uh, like with Jenk. You know, if it wasn't for his uh, Champions League uh, performance, Besiktas would have never gotten uh, anywhere near uh, the money they got for him. And uh, we all see how that turned out. I I think Vedat yeah. has a lot more potential to uh, go into a, a league like the Premier League and actually uh, um, make it as a as a first team striker. You know, not just mm-hmm. like like Jenk right now, kind of lost on the bench. Uh, sometimes not even on the bench, but I think Vedat has more potential there. But I also think that, uh, you know, because of Jenk not being a massive success, uh, those clubs will think twice before they shelve out uh, 25 million or something for uh, a player from uh, a striker from the Turkish league. But of course, his performances in the qualifiers against England as well definitely work in his favor. Yep. So hopefully we can get some European football next season. And if he does play in the summer at the Euros if Kosovo qualify and if we do come up against some big European names and he plays well against them and scores then I think I think he's definitely not going to stay more than you know past the next season I'm kind of resigned to that but let's enjoy him whilst we can yeah, it all depends I mean if you get the Champions League money um, you may be able to keep him if the big offers don't come He, I don't think he would be uh uh, would begrudge you if if uh, if the, the the right offer didn't come that uh, you know I mean it's kind of like what would happen with Ozan Özjakup at Besiktas I think the right offer didn't come when he was in his market value prime so to speak and he, he you know didn't mind staying mm-hmm. obviously <laughs> Besiktas <laughs> should have sold him when they could uh, looking back at it in hindsight but I think it's you know if the right offer comes but I think uh, Vedat. Uh, 
is as a as a, as a great club, a big club. Uh, would you prefer to play for, I don't know, uh, Burnley or or Fenerbahce, if you can earn the same money, for example? Well, I'm going to say Fenerbahce, of course, and I've got a Burnley supporting friend, James, who actually, <laughs> who actually went to the the Bocciuxi game in Europe, I think, a couple of years oh. ago, um, at Burnley. So, One nil, right? In the at, at a time. In indeed, and um, no discredit to Burnley, but they've got a couple of big lads up front, like Ashley Barnes and Chriswood, so they don't need Vida. And just he will exactly. Sorry, James, but you can't have him. <laughs> but let's talk about a little bit about what you said about uh, offensively Fenerbahce looking so good. I really felt like they were almost like a whirlwind going forward. And I've had that feeling a couple of times this season. Um, obviously against Gaziantep, they had a very relentless attack in the first half. Um, you know, yeah, they got three penalties, but I think it was mainly just the, 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 the sheer overwhelming of their opponents. And I've seen them do that a couple times at home this season. Um, but then we look in the away games and none of that we can find back. Uh, and that's kind of what we saw of, of Esunyanal in 2013-2014 as well, where there's this really overwhelming drive forward a lot of bodies going forward it's very difficult to stop when you suddenly have three four guys penetrating the box and the cross is coming in from the area uh, i think Fenerbahce do that really well when they're playing well um, but of course you know as we've seen in the last the previous two weeks as well in those away games we, we do Fenerbahce do lag that um, i think that's that's the, their main working point you can see that they have that potential uh, I also really like the fact that Gary squared it for Max Kruse. Uh, I think in general you could see that not just Gary, but also I think Verat a couple of times. They really wanted him to get his goal. Uh, multiple players of Fenerbahce were feeding him and trying to get him into scoring positions, it felt like. They really wanted him to get off the mark. And that's yeah, um, showcases yeah. good team, team spirit. Yeah, and some some older Fenerbahce fans who are listening to this may remember when Fenerbahce signed Tanju from Galatasaray, and he was having a really bad scoring drought. hadn't scored for a long time, and I can't remember who Fenerbahce were playing, but it was Aikut who squared the ball to Tanju when he could have taken a goal on himself, um, just to let Tanju get that goal and you know get that confidence up. So a little reminiscence of, of that when Gary squared it, but like you said, it's you know it shows the the team spirit that they wanted Max to get on the score sheet. So a little trip down memory lane for fans who are in their sort of late thirties, like I am. I bet I could regret it later when Alex broke his record though. <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, uh, yeah, great win for Fenerbahce, of course, coming from back-to-back draws in away games, which was always going to be tough. Um, let's move over to Saturday then, where Malatya Sport took on Sivas Sport. This match ended 1-3 in favor of the league leaders. Hakan Aslan, the captain of Sivas Sport, had put them ahead in the 26th minute, and just four minutes later, uh, the unavoidable Mert Hakanyan that got on the score sheet again made it 2-0 Guillermo then pulled one back in the 37th minute for Malatia Spor but in the 54th minute Emre Kilinch seemed to kill off the game I think up until that point it was a really even match with uh, Malatia Spor having a lot of opportunities but I felt like that uh, Emre Kilinch goal kind of took the wind out of their sails uh, I believe uh, Burak is going to talk about this one too. We had this one assigned to Uzer, but unfortunately he couldn't make it today. 
Yes, absolutely. So Sivospor is showing everyone why they are thorough deserved league leaders. I mean, that, that threesome they have of Hakan Aslan, Marjan Dash, and Emre Kulinc, Turkish um, a trio as well, showing that they are causing a lot of damage. Each one of them scored today. Um, and by watching a play, you can just see they're, they're playing some really smooth, slick football, um, quite quick as well. Um, but to say that Malacca, you know, created quite a lot of chances as well. And they were unlucky, I, I, I feel, to not get another one before the Emre Kulinic goal, like, you know, killed off the game, like you said. I think Gökhan Tere, again, didn't have you know, a bad, horrendous game, but it wasn't like a super great game. He saw some flashes off his, like, tricky wing play, but nothing that made you think, you know, he's going to be going back to a top three side anytime soon um both goalkeepers as well pulled off some some good saves during the game um Jahovic missed a great chance where he you know nearly like lobbed it over the the, the Sivas keeper coming out but just a little bit too too much and then obviously you've got um Hakan Arslan getting booked, which means he's out of the Fairmarch game next week. Um, um, I think it was a deserved booking. He went in quite hard on the Malachis for a player. And although afterwards he had a disgraceful act with, you had Fatih Haksoy getting booked for poking a Malachis for a player in the face. Maybe not even a poke. You know, whatever less than a poke can be, that was it. And he went down like he'd been absolutely peppered with an assault rifle um and again that's just disgraceful no there's no place for that and it was right in front of the referee as well and i can't remember the name of the malachis were a player but he should be just ashamed of himself for, for doing that now i think um Jahovic, i can't remember did he have a goal ruled off for offside at one point as well um i think he did um Guillermo maybe i mean oh, I, yeah I, I just remember uh uh, a waterfall of chances for Guillermo <laughs> this match. Yeah, oh god, yeah. It was, yep, yeah, Jovic, he was, had a goal disallowed. Right at the one. end, right, right, at right the at end. the end, yeah. Clear offside, was... though. Clear offside, yeah. he was at least, yeah. you know, three or four yards in front of the last defender. Mm-hmm. But, you know, any other team, I think, you know, Malacha Sport could have, could have beaten them if they'd come just by the amount of chances they created mm-hmm. I think Sivas really gave them a good battle and they, they showed everyone why they're good for their position at the top of the table at the moment and like we mentioned next week it's the, the big game Fenerbahce there on a Saturday afternoon in the the cold of, of Sivas so expect to see lots of underarm leggings and gloves um, on on players but and we'll need to see how much the absence of Hakan Arslan affects uh, Sivas because they will still have, you know, their star players of Martian Dash and Emre Kulinc, but without the captain as well, let's see how they can uh, perform. But as we have just alluded to, which Fenerbahce are going to show up? Uh, are we going to get the team that like to attack? with pace and lots of numbers, or are we going to get the, the subdued playing away from home for Arbache where Arsenal likes to start with like seven central midfielders who, <laughs> who do, who do nothing. Um, it should be, should be a good game, but this was a great game for neutral to watch lots of fast, low attack in football. Um, and three, actually four 
really good finishes by all of the um, individual goal scorers. Yeah, they look. Sivas just looks so confident and fluid going forward right now. They're uh, in a great form and a great run of form. Um, it'll take a, a stick in the wheel to uh, halt that uh, that motor or or however I should put it as maybe next week uh, Fenerbahce can be that stick or maybe Sivaspor uh, coast to the halftime break as league leaders. We'll have to wait and see. Three more matches to go before the end of the year. And, yeah, it's uh, close yeah. at the top right now. Let's move Indeed. on to the next match. Ankara Guju Gustepe. This match also ending 1 to 3 in favor of Gustepe here. Alil Agbunar had put Gustepe 1 0 up after just a minute of play. Uh, very good creative play from Serdar Gurler there to lead to up to the goal. Then Ilham Parlak, after missing what seemed like a plethora of chances, finally got on the score sheet in the 31st minute to make it 1 1 for Ankara Guju. But then a Serdar Gurler brace in the 47th and the 58th minute made it 1-2 and 1-3 and especially the 1-3 was an absolute beauty um, but Serdar Gurler had a fantastic match Umut's uh, simple win for Gustepe Ankara Gujou, uh, looked dangerous at times but Ilham Parlak in particular very wasteful yeah uh, that shows how uh, the effect of Ilham Palut the new coach of Gustepe showing off right after his Arrival to Gustave, uh, as we see, uh, compared to the earlier times, the wingers are more effective during the build-up and the goal-scoring opportunities. Like uh, the both goals, uh, the th- uh, three of the goals come from both of the wingers, Sardar Güler and Halak Punar, uh, saying how dominant the wing play has become for Gustave side. Like uh, they've been uh, creating more and. Scoring more, more than ever, uh, they had they used to uh, the uh, uh, before the uh, Ilham Palut's arrival, and as we see, the Cameron Jerome has been ineffective uh, and missing some clear opportunities, uh, despite his you know quality, as we can say. And uh, hang on, hang on. You, you can't use quality and Cameron Jerome in the same sentence, so that has yeah. to be redacted. You know, you know, you may continue. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, his uh, substitute is Eran Dardiok, right? You know, uh, so we can say by uh, a comparison between two, uh, there's a huge gap of quality between those two. And after Beto, I think somehow in judo. Uh, something went off with him, uh, the goalkeeper. So he was subbed off and youngster Gökto found a chance uh, for his third game. But unfortunately, he couldn't finish finish it with a clean sheet again. Uh, a goal came from a massacre of scramble uh, from uh, Ankara Gücü position. Uh, Sedat Archai, uh, like... Uh, Went into the box, like uh, finding his chance, but Ilham Parlak uh, somehow managed to score it out of the, uh, you know, Karambol in Turkish, we can say. Uh, yeah, Karambol. Uh, and in Dutch, it's a, say it, we say it too. I don't know in English. Uh, yeah, well, scrimmage, the, scrimmage, I guess you yeah, could. Yeah, scrimmage. So uh, that shows how, uh, uh, like, uh, that shaped up Ankara Gücü game is the, they somehow managed to find a goal, but 
couldn't find another. Uh, and also, I have to mention that after the second goal, uh, Sadar Güler scored Göstepe's Twitter account, shade a graphic, uh, making a sarcastic uh, thing about the Bean Sports and Lick TV's uh, uh, approach to these uh copyright statements and deleting the content the team's <laughs> uploading to the Twitter, they share the graphic resembling a, you know, championship manager or football manager kind of thing, 2D graph of the goal, which is a kind of great thing to see. Yeah, definitely. So that's that. Okay, let's move on to the next one. God's right, taking was, on... Before you do that, I, I think David Orgel should have been sent off for in this game, for that push, not the push to stamp afterwards and oh, the intent. Um, yep, um, he did push someone. He did look but, frustrated for sure. Frustrated, but then when the guy on the floor, he goes for the stamp, and you can see that there's malice, intent, and aggression there. And according to the EFAB book, which govern the laws of football, and of course, being a man of the law, to me. That should have been red card for David Orgel. Um, you should never let your frustration boil over into that. So I think that was missed, and it didn't even go to VAR. Okay, there we so go. We Burak uh, saw you, David. Don't do that again. Exactly. Let's move over to the next match. Galatasaray beats Alanya Spor one nil at home. The only goal of the match here coming in the twentieth minute off of the penalty spot through Yunus Belhanda. Uh, 1-0 at full time for Galatasaray, a much-needed win for them. They were winless in their last uh, two games, I guess. Um, yeah, big win for, for uh, Galatasaray, Umut. They needed this very badly, um, but it, it, it required a heroic Muslera performance uh, to salvage those three points. Yeah, I think all the Galatasaray fans are like uh, praying for Muslera, like Shkuler Olsen for his saves has been made, and for the start, uh, Terim started the game for 4-1-4-1 with Steven Enzonzi lying behind the mid-four and Adam Buke as a sole striker because we don't have any other strikers left, unfortunately. <laughs> Even though we had seen Falcao on the bench at the start of the game, which is a quite a shock for us. Uh, you know, it's been long enough and there has been no feedbacks whatsoever from the team as his Falcao state, Falcao state, what happened to him, what has been going on. But uh, I wasn't expecting to see this man on the bench that night. And it, it was quite a shock for me. And after all these negative feedback uh, for Belhanda, for the fan, from the fans, like he has been booed too many times after he has been subbed off, uh, all the fans expecting that Terim won't be giving it any time, but he is so stubborn. Yeah, you know, Terim, you know him. And he gave, I think he he's just too much confident on Belhanda, or I don't know if he's needing him or if it's a, some kind of team formation thing. I don't know about that, but he just loves to play with him. And I don't know why. Uh, even though I like uh, Belhanda as a player, I know Ozar hates him too much. <laughs> uh, 
have to say it. Uh, he started Belhanda on the right flank as a change, uh, which is a huge change for it because I think he's just uh, fed up with the mistakes he did on the midfield and giving the ball away on the midfield makes it more dangerous for Galatasaray to like uh, play as a defender defensive part of the game uh, makes it more dangerous and makes us concede more goals and also uh, having him playing on the right side uh, could have like helped Mariano for his duties on the both sides of the game both offensive and defensively so Terim wanted the bellhander to help out for the uh, weight Mariano had to deal with during the game on the right flank and as for Lemina he's been Brilliant for the recent weeks and he helped out the defense as well as the man who started out the attacks from the back and he's been brilliant. He just dribbles out, dribbles out all the way from the back, starts all the attacks, builds up play and I started to like him too much that I will be very upset as soon as his loan ends because he reminds me of Felipe Melo. He's the aggressive guy and the guy who wants to take responsibility even though how the situations are regardless and also a little bit aggressive against the opponents it gives some intimidation uh, to them and as for men of the match Fernando Muslera made five crucial saves uh, as he's saving the three points for Galatas right uh, uh, the hardest one, I believe, was the Bacasetas shot uh, from the, like, uh, inside the box. Uh, and the favorite foot of Bacasetas uh, shot the ball to the far post and Mustera saved it really well. Uh, it, I think it was the, uh, you know, Kaderane moment for the match uh, as Mustera saved those three points. And uh, after the last minutes of the game, uh, we saw Falcao uh, has been subbed in and at last performing, but he couldn't get any chances to score, unfortunately. Uh, I think he's, he, ha- he needs some more time to adapt, but I don't know. We don't have any time left. Uh, it's already been, uh, you know, end of December and the first half of the season nearly come to an end. Uh, I don't know what are we going to do with this striker problem we have. Uh, also, we can say Tayan Antalya has been given uh, some minutes as uh, after some time. It has been needed. Uh, we have to use our alternative players. Uh, but I don't like the idea of giving uh, Jimmy Durmas any time again because... I don't know, he has been too ineffective all the time he has been given, all the chances he has been given. He he couldn't show anything uh, that benefit our team. Uh, I don't think there has to be any point insisting uh, playing him anymore. Uh, also, Gaza has been uh, really lucky that opponent didn't have Papi Sisa, who is crucially in front of goal, to score those chances and Got, got away with three points. What did you think of the penalty position? A correct call on the handball, in your opinion? Was that a penalty? Yeah, yeah, definitely penalty because Sakala's hand was way open, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a normal position of hand. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Burak, you agree as man of law? Uh, yes, it was in fact pretty much the same as the a few penalties that Farabaja have not been given this season. Um, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I talk about the uh, Alanya Sport game and the Trabzon Sport game as well. So yeah, that that was a penalty. The arm is unnatural position that stops the ball from going its path and according to the the law because i'm a man of the law that is uh, a penalty i have no issue with it being given i do have an issue with us not being given the exact same penalties earlier on in the season hmm. it reminded me a little bit of the atiba position against alanya spor um so again I think in, in in consistency sense, maybe this. I think we're talking about a couple of degrees in terms of how the arm is bent, how far out it is, and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it just feels like sometimes. Don't get me wrong. I think this is a penalty, but it just feels like sometimes uh, these positions get seen as ball to hand and not a penalty. This was very close range. It was definitely yeah, ball but to, the ball arm to hand. is way open. You know. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. there's a reason to, as we talked earlier, there's a reason why the defensive players like uh, hide their arms behind their back. Yeah, but very few players do that. Yeah, but he has to do it. You know, you cannot open your arm like that wide as hell and expect not to get away with no penalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a penalty. I'm not discussing that. I just feel like uh, there needs to be more consistency in these decision ma- uh, this, these decisions. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, when I'm just from the top of my head looking back at it, Atiba's arm was like next to his body. This one was like out back. Ah, it's different, but still, it's it's similar still. You know what I mean? So sometimes it's a penalty, sometimes it's not. I, I, I get how that can become a little bit annoying for for fans watching even though i think in both you have to look at every situation individually of course i think here you cannot make the argument of look he's running it's an it's, it is kind of like you know it's a, a natural running movement but his arm is way back it's yeah you know you can control yourself a little bit more maybe anyway clear penalty uh, a couple of more penalty shouts in this match i think one for uh, alanya sport 2 but that was a uh, arm very close to the body i didn't think that was a penalty um and it's just yeah like you p- pointed out muslera making some great saves in the second half but galtzray also got their goal this got a goal disallowed after just five minutes uh from adam buke on a free kick um correct call on the replay but close I think uh, very close, actually. So uh, yeah, right some to... fans. I think some deluded fans wants to say this. He says it has been tampered with. You know, <laughs> yeah. but I don't think that because uh, all I uh, count on is the offside calls because all been done by a software inside the mm-hmm. uh, computer. So I believe those are all true. You know. Every week, every week you have these things. I mean, we're gonna get to this a little bit later in the Besiktas game too, where uh, I, I, I showed you guys the picture too, and and I have to admit it looks weird, but I think it's a little far fetched to say well, that that people that you know I can imagine people on Twitter, uh, people on the social media going into Photoshop and messing with an image, but I. It's it's a little far fetched for me to to uh, imagine that the guys in the VAR room are taking two three minutes extra just so that they can enlarge uh, no, a no. foot or something. It's just it's just a little bit too. No, no, because all those me. all those software works with like uh, 
five to eight cameras with different mm -hmm. angles and mm -hmm. all the software is based on that you know uh, all those cameras contribute to one single image so uh, you can decide whether whether you know mm -hmm. uh, ground is and the, after the perspective happens where does the line go through and uh, after you, you can play with it uh, in this application or software what you call it and it also gives you the, you know, isdishum, well, what you call it in English. Uh, uh, let me see. Anyway, it's a great throwback to Projection John McManus's point, you know, book, uh, like, Welcome to Hell, uh, where he also speaks about the conspiracy theories and they're out to get those and that kind of mentality, which all the Turkish fans seem to have. Yeah. Uh, but, but let's move over uh, to the next match. Galatasaray with a very important win here. They really needed that to keep themselves into in the race. Uh, let's move over to Sunday, where Konya Sport somehow managed not to score a single goal against Gaziantep, and that match ending in a scoreless draw. But Konya Sport will definitely be kicking themselves after the match. Burak, how many chances does one need to score a goal? Well, in the case of Konya Sport, I think 30. Um, seriously, um, uh, how how did they fail to score in this game? I mean, you, you're you're watching the game and you're thinking, okay, here you know they're going they're going to score soon, they're going to score soon, and it just it's just I think they could have played for the entire day. Um, and they would not have scored. It was just one of those where the ball wasn't going to go in no matter what happened. And the most guilt-edged chance of them all fell to, oh, that, that poor <laughs> that poor guy, Baich. Um, almost almost ashamed that his name sounds like Balich um, because of that chance he missed right at the end. I mean, they were just... I think they were unlucky not to get a penalty as well in in, in the first half um, when the the ball came off the uh, Gaziantep uh, defender. He quite it's a tough one because the his hand is down by his side, but he jumps towards the ball with his hand as well. So it's not as if it's um, it's hard to say because the hand is in a natural position. But the, he jumps towards the ball with his arms. But that's that's a real tough one. I think that's you know got to be a bit of a grey area. But let's get back to that Bayich miss because that was just am amazing, like a just a comedy. Um, I know he's been getting some abuse from from Konya fans online as well, um, which is 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 not nice. But he should seriously have a word with himself. Bayich or Mia? Um, I think it was Bayich. Baich, the chance uh, right at the end, right yeah, at the end. Oh, the guy yeah. has to remind that the guy played at Udinese like uh, a year ago, mm -hmm. <laughs> and he was really good in his first stint with with Konyaspor. Um, but he he just seems like uh, he kind of lost his uh, his mojo a little bit. But there's also this one really good opportunity I think in the first half of Faruk Mia where he goes one on one with the goalkeeper, and I'm just looking and I'm like just tap it past the goalkeeper, just go around him. Like, it's the perfect... He had the perfect opening to go around the goalkeeper. He had plenty like of... Like I said, he's the kind of player the Anatolian teams like. <laughs> Pacey <laughs> wingers. No, but uh, he's, he's shown a lot of promise, I think. He's young. He's like 21 or something years old. Yeah. Um, he scores and... bangers, though, doesn't he? He doesn't yeah. seem like the guy who's got, you know, a cool head in that situation where he could have gone around the keeper or, or 
Yeah, dinked really over him. It was like the perfect opportunity, though, because he had plenty need, of room in between himself. You need that composure, though. You need that composure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also I think you need to kind of read the game. Like, if you look at the space he had on his left, on on the left side of the goalkeeper, on the right side of the goalkeeper, however you want to put it, um, on his left and the right side of the goalkeeper, he could have just tapped it, you know, around the goalkeeper, and he had plenty of room and space and time to find the net, the empty net there. But he decides to try his luck at mm-hmm. one go and I think in that sort of situation um, that's something of course experience brings but in that sort of situation you always need to try and go sometimes experience doesn't bring them because how you look at Volkan Shen <laughs> you have been seeing that all the time yeah it's true True, very true. Yeah, I'm just looking at the the Bayich miss again, and I'm just the the poor Konyaspor player who's like he's done all the hard wing play that you expect. He's beaten his man. He's got to the byline. He he's crossed it in. Mm-hmm. It's gone past four Gaziantep players. They're just all looking at Bayich and thinking, "Oh God, here we go, finally." And he just I don't know what he does. He's brain fart completely. Yeah. Um, comes off his. Like, he, he, yeah, he, he tries to put it in with his dick. And like, <laughs> why? Just put your leg up and just like side side foot it into the goal. I don't, yeah. I don't know what, what he's trying well, to do there. Just just stick your leg out. Maybe it hits your knee. Maybe it hits your shin. It's going to go in either way as long as you just give it a proper yeah. connection. But uh, yeah, that um, was that was a terrible miss. It kind of reminded me of this miss that the Hugo Almeida had for Portugal once, uh, where it was like literally from like twenty centimeters, and he managed to blast it straight up. Um, yeah, that was probably worse than this. Although I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, no, this this is this was pretty bad. <laughs> this was pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cornyaspor oh. uh, definitely need those points too, just to have some breathing space. Uh, I don't think they're in any direct threat because of the just the, the form those bottom three are in. Um, but yeah, Konya Sport, these types of matches, they should be winning these. And Gaziantep, I really liked them early on in the season, like the first 10 or so games. I really thought they were pretty decent, or maybe first eight or so. But they've looked really sluggish lately, uh, uninspired. Um, and I think the highlight really came from uh, Sumudika's uh, oh. post, yeah, post-match <laughs> tirade. I Definitely. don't even know. I don't even know what he was what he was on about. I mean, I could imagine I could going crazy after that, having not won that game. But what was Sumedikia even going mental about? Uh, crazy Romanian. Well, the the Konyaspor fans were shouting obscenities uh, at his mother. Mm, well, I, I, I think. Um, no, Konya, Konya fans aren't the most polite. <laughs> exactly, they got a lot of land, but you know, not a lot of manners. Apparently, and he—you just need to watch the the post-match press conference because he's speaking in Portuguese. It's being translated, and then at the end of his time, he just goes into full-blown English and he says, "When you hear, you know, such 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 such, is is not nice." And I say, "For we could just look at the translator, just saying, yeah, I've, tr- I've tried my best to translate the the Portuguese into Turkish." But you know he's. What can I do about the fact that he just s- <laughs> swore in English? <laughs> so we we employ you. We'll have to give it a retweet from our our Twitter account and just listen to it and just you know the translator just thinking. Well, I tried. <laughs> That's the look on his face. I tried, but what can I do? 
Sometimes. Yeah, we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna insert it in uh, in this episode because we'll get like an R rating or something. But uh, no, you definitely go out of your way and uh, take a look. Uh, Emmanuel Rocho, uh, I think, uh, tweeted the video out. Yeah, so yeah. We'll give that yeah. a retweet. Yeah, enjoyed uh, it as well. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I don't know what it is with those Romanian coaches. We have one of them in Belgium, uh, Laszlo Belerni. He's been active in Belgium for quite long, and he he's known to not not like obscenities like this, but he's known to go off. Uh, this post-match conferences too, and uh, pretty crazy, but a good coach. Uh, anyway, let's uh, move on to the next match, and uh, Jakub is not here to uh, uh, gloat over the return of Sturridge and, of course, the arrival again of the King of the North, Alexander Solov. But uh, both men were involved in uh, Trabzon Sports win on the road against Antalya Spor as they edge out a 1-3 victory. Alexander Solov opened the scoring after just 3 minutes on an assist from Daniel Sturridge. But then Andrei Celuska scored against his ex-team and made it 1-1. Wouldn't be the only player to score against his ex-team on, on this match day, by the way. Uh, Anthony Wakayemi then made it 1-2 on a corner kick in the 25th minute. He followed up really well at the far post to make it 1-2. And then Yusuf Sare just before halftime made it 1-3. Very good goal by the young Turkish winger. Um, and there's also uh, one something I wanted to ask, uh, Buak. Uh, there's a penalty position at 1-1 on Yusuf where I really felt that, I mean... To me, that was a push in the back. That wasn't shoulder to shoulder. I don't know what you felt uh, about that penalty position on Yusuf. Burak, I can't hear you. You probably muted it yourself. Yes, yes, I did. I thought I'd come off mute, but yeah. I um, I wasn't. But now I am back. I was saying, I think that is one of the, the few positions that I actually missed because um, I know we, um, Jakob was supposed to be looking at, at this game mm-hmm. and I don't think anything was mentioned about the, the penalty position in our in our group chat. So I'm just trying to, yeah. to, to, to find it now just to give like the... It ended up being an easy win for Trabzon Sport so I think that's how stuff like that kind of gets lost. But this is at 1-1. I mean, imagine if the, that, that second goal doesn't come. Uh, quick enough, I think then this becomes a talking point. And for me, it, it reminded me, I don't know if you remember, a couple of years ago, there was uh, this crazy game between Besiktas and Bursa Spor, where Bursa Spor equalized in the 90th minute, make it 2-2, and then right at the other end, uh, Kerem Fry gets basically this, a similar position, like a push in his back, like a short, you know, like players will argue, the defender will argue, yeah, that's a shoulder-to-shoulder, but in reality, it's shoulder-to-back. Uh, and Bishtas get a penalty, then Baba converts it to 3-2. Tr- uh, to two. Um, And this just really reminded me of that. Like, at first, when I saw it, I was like, ah, yeah, Yusuf is just going down really easy on a, on a, on a normal shoulder-to-shoulder. But then I saw the replay, and I really thought, like, hey, look, that's not a shoulder-to-shoulder. You, you can't call that a shoulder-to-shoulder. It's simply not. Um, I mean, I'm looking at position now. It's... Um... It's the Antalya Sport. Which which player is it that pushes him? It's the it's number six, Eran, isn't it? Um, last, Eren Alba, right. Yeah, oh, that's it. The left back. You can see, you can see him actually leaning his his left forearm into Yusuf's back, mm-hmm. and ah, uh, for me that's a penalty. I, I don't know. For me, it's um. Um, but like, Man of like, the law, come but on! Like, but, but you know, like like you say, it's not your your typical shoulder to shoulder where you know you get out muscled. So it's, I think I think Yusuf goes down very easily. 
He does, but I think at the same yeah. time, Yusuf is a player that's a he's a high speed type of player. I mean, he's 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 there at high speed. It doesn't take much to bring you off balance. Yeah. I think if you feel that you go down, it's just I don't I don't think it's a. You know, I, I think, think if you, sorry, I go think ahead. That's a thing with the little players. You know, uh, lack mm. of physicality comes mm. that uh, you you. They want to use that into their advantage, you know, like how MMO goes down very easily. Uh, you can see that how other small kind of players uh, get on, you know, they want... Yeah, yeah, of course. It. Sometimes they're just looking for it. And of course, here he is kind of too, but at the same time, Eren shouldn't be doing that. I think the fact that he has gone down the way he's gone down has actually worked against him. And the ref has thought, do you know what? Maybe you've made a little bit too much of it, but I, I, I don't know if that could have gone to VAR. I think yeah, if, if that had gone to VAR, I think the ref should have given it. But I think because in the the speed of the play, he probably thought, "Oh, come on, Yusuf, you've gone down really easily. That's not a penalty." But if you're looking at the position slowed down and that's why VAR is there to look at these positions slowed down mm-hmm. you could clearly see that the, the forearm goes into the of Eren goes into the small of the back of Yusuf and just gently helps right, him along and because he's <laughs> run, running at such pace like 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 we've we pointed out you know all it takes is a little clip or a tap when you're running at such pace for you to to go down but I think his theatrics have worked against him but in hindsight not hindsight, but saying that it should have gone to VAR enough. Yep, um, you you have convinced me by making me watch and rewatch that. Yep, I I think that should have been given as a penalty because he clearly pushes him off balance and stops him from going forward with the ball. Whether he would have made a pass or a cross, it has impeded attacking play. Yeah, and, and plus I think it's a little different when you're. I think like last week you have Emre Mor going one-on-one with a guy and then basically running into him and trying to, you know, win a penalty that way. And uh, I think I said the same thing with uh, uh, in the Besiktas game in, in midweek and uh, where you have uh, El Neni who cut it back against uh, Bratislava uh, and then runs into uh, the defender. And yeah, there's contact. You can't argue that, but you're clearly looking for the contact as the attacking player. And here I think you can't make that argument. Like, Yusuf isn't looking for the contact. He's feeling the contact. He's going down easy. Obviously, he's looking for the penalty, but he's not going out of his way to make contact with the defender. Sometimes you have that, where an attacking player will look for the contact and then fans go, oh, there's contact, there's contact, that should be a penalty. But no, because... The attacker is actually forcing the contact. And here, I don't think that's the case. For me, this is a penalty. Anyway, uh, Umut, anything to add to this, this this match? Another simple win, really, for Trabzonspor. They got the job done in the first half. Sorlov gets on the score sheet again. Daniel Sturge gets another assist. Those two seem to be finding each other well on the pitch. Yeah, well, the first assist, assist obviously was a great one with a 40-meter uh, grand pass, which is a hard thing to do, uh, and he did really well. And also, if you haven't mentioned, but Urjan saved a lot of positions uh, so that uh, Trabzonspor haven't lost their lead uh, after the uh, after those chances. And uh, Antalyaspor's new coach Stefan Thomas, uh, the former Fenerbahce and Galatasaray defender, still looking for a win. 
uh, after the <laughs> yeah after these uh, weeks in the Super League, even though he has won his game in the cup game, three uh, 0 for Antalya Spur, but he's just looking for a win in the league again. Tough fixtures, of course. Besiktas at home, and Trabzonspor at home. I mean, he had difficult home games, and you expect a new coach, maybe in the home matches, to get some points. But this Trabzonspor right now, they're playing well. Didn't even have Jose Sosa on the, on the pitch in the starting eleven, and still managed to make pretty quick work of Antalya Spor. Um, yeah. Let's move over to the next match. Denizli Sport Bashakshi here, another title contender, and uh, the. Pashakshir being the title contender. And the Nizhi Spore, the up-and-down team we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. Uh, this match ended 1-1, um, but it could have been very different. I think Pashakshir had plenty of chances to put this match away throughout the match. And Invisha got the scoring started in the 54th minute, but only six minutes later, Modu Barrow, uh, somebody who we've been praising throughout... Uh, the season, I think, uh, for the Nizispor, he got on the score sheet, made it 1-1. I really liked Edin Vicious finish. I think Barrow's finish was kind of more closing your eyes and just blasting it and a little bit of luck. Then it was class, but uh, Vicious finish, definitely go out of your way and check that out. He really puts the ball in position perfectly with his right, then finishes it gracefully with his left. Fantastic goal. Um... But it's really Denizli Spore right at the end, right at the dead, who should have won it. And again, Barrow with the chance there after a fantastic rush from Estupinan. But he hits the post. Uh, looked easier yeah, than his actual goal. Similar to Farag Mia's position as well. Uh, like, loss of composure. Uh, so, like, indecisiveness. Uh, come to I actually end. think he, he went for the placement. He actually went for a, a little bit of a... Uh, and also, it was his weak foot, actually, left foot. And... Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It was left foot. I don't know if it was his weak foot. I don't know if he's left or right footed. But uh, I, honestly, I think he did everything right. He just, his placement was just a couple of inches off. But Denizli Spore really should have stole it right at the end there. That that should have been the winner right there. You can't miss yeah, those also, opportunities. Yeah, uh, also, Basak started with Dembaba. Uh, mm-hmm. No Crivelli. Yeah, no Crivelli. And they actually. Uh, like missed out Enzo uh, Crivelli because what he did in front of goal like uh, instead of scoring he created too many chances like uh, opening some gaps for their teammates and what Dembaba couldn't done uh, couldn't do uh, at this game because he's too like static in front of goal uh, I can't say anything about it because he's too old you know you can't expect him to be uh, that kind of uh, mobile and uh, running around in front of goal just like Crivelli does. But yeah, it's literally 10 years in between them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think uh, Başakşehir uh, like uh, wanted that kind of player uh, on the pitch this time. Also, yeah, like for sure, but he was suspended to uh, yellow card uh, yeah. suspension. So also, that's, uh... also no uh, Gould Branson as well. Uh, so Edin Wischa uh, wanted to do all the things single-handedly, but he missed too many chances, and the whole team they missed too many chances. So it cost them two points actually. Definitely. Uh, two expensive points for Bershakshir, who had been on a very good run uh, as of late. Um, but these are two points I think they could look back at and uh, maybe regret dropping. It's a 
probably a match they should have won. Um, if you look at Sivaspor, if you look at Besiktas, if you look at uh, Trabzon and Fenerbahce, I think this is the type of matches you have to win. But at the end of the day, probably Okamburg will be happy with the point if you see that chance that uh, Baro misses right at the end there. So uh, two points dropped by Basakshi here in the title race. So... Uh, not a ma- no man overboard, of course, with the way this uh, season has been shaping up. But uh, yeah, two points are two points. Let's move over to the next match: Kasim Pasha Besiktas. This match ending two to three for Besiktas is the first time in five years, if I'm not mistaken, that Besiktas managed to win away at Kasim Pasha, um, and uh, they, uh, yeah. It wasn't easy. Um, fifth, in the 15 minutes, Karim Hafez got sent off with a direct red card following a last man fall on Atiba Hutchinson. But plenty of controversy surrounding that red card. We will be talking about that one I'll in a think bit. about it. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. And then in the 24th minute, Mustafa Pektimek scored uh, the... the the first goal, putting Kasim Pasha 1-0 up after a VAR call here. Um... Uh, initially, it was ruled offside, but uh, uh, after VAR checked it, a toe kept him uh, kept actually Koita Bengali Koita onside. It, it, uh, it looked like uh, Enzo Rocco's toe or clown shoe, however you want to put it. Uh, initially, Karius saved the position Koita's position, but then Mustafa Pektemek had the easy rebound in the net, and probably lucky for Pektemek that that actually went too far, because he didn't get a chance to celebrate. Imagine if he would have celebrated uh, after making, I don't know, 6-7 million euros uh, in the last five years uh, playing for Besiktas. I think he might have gotten lynched by Besiktas fans. Um, but in the 39th minute, Jana Erkin equalized uh, off of a good Gukhan Gunnel cross. Uh, more luck than uh, quality there, I think, from January. He just blindly volleyed it and it somehow managed to end up in the goal. I think it went through at least one player's legs. 1 1 in the 39th minute. Then Besiktas scored again just a couple of minutes later through. Um Abdullah Diaby on a Jana Erkin assist, but that goal was disallowed for offside, correct call. Uh, then Bengali Koita scored in the 55th minute to put 10-man Kasim Pasha 2-1 up. Three minutes or so before that, Bengali Koita should have probably been ejected from the match. However, he... Uh, yeah, pretty blatant uh, hit, uh, yeah, slap. Yeah, I don't know how he could... He hits Gukhan in the face, pretty much. Uh, already on a yellow card. Uh, should have probably gotten sent off. And then, as uh, Umut said last week with Serdar, uh, with Serdar Aziz, you know, then, of course, that man goes on to score. And that was the case here. Uh, I, I think that uh, Serdar Aziz's position, like I said last week, for me, that wasn't the red. But Koita, I think he had a couple of moments where he could have gotten sent off already. Uh, definitely there, he should have. But then Umut Nair, as a sub, came on on the pitch, scored the equalizer in the 71st minute on a Gukhan Gunnel assist. And then in the 5th minute of stoppage time, Umut Nair again makes it 2-3 off of Jermaine Lenz assist. And Besiktas managed to steal a victory right at the end against a tired 10-man Kasim Pasha who played with 10 players for all, for 80 minutes pretty much. So almost the entire match, Kasim Pasha were down to 10 men and it cost Besiktas uh, a lot of effort to get the win. Um, but let's talk about the big moment of this match, one of the big moments of this match. Uh, the red card for Karim Hafez. 
Uh, first, Umut, I'm going to let you have your say. I'm, I'm sure you have your opinion. Yeah, I think uh, Atiba somehow saved the ball, but he just kicked it away. Like, uh, it was going wide mm -hmm. uh, of him, his control. Like, uh, he doesn't have control even though he passed that player. So, mm -hmm. I think it's kind of uh, blatant to give him a red, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. I know it's the, it's the last play, but Atiba lost the control of the ball afterwards. So, they're both, like, uh, you know... I don't think it's so much that he puts it out wide. He just, he just hits it too hard. It goes far. Yeah, uh, but... So, the goalkeeper uh, is going to get to it before Atiba would get to it. I think that's the, the point you're trying to make. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, for you, red or not? I don't know, you know. I'm too unsure about this position, you know. Mm -hmm. It's really it. the gray area the Burak has been t talking about. <laughs> Burak, man of the law, what did you think of this red card? I think it was a red card. You can't blame Atiba for having a horrendous first touch in that situation. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> um, because you could also argue that the fact that the Kassan Pasha playing coming in also caused the, the horrendous first touch by Atiba. He usually has a good control of the ball. Um, I was just more... You know, interested by the fact that Atiba Hutchinson then proceeded to dive into an imaginary swimming pool. Um, he got some really good height on on the jump when he jumped <laughs> I over. He, I think he had to though because uh, Hafez's leg was up high, so I think he had to do that to avoid injury. Honestly, I mean, he's you know, Hafez is the last man. He he takes uh, uh, Atiba down. Yes, Atiba launches the ball, you know, ahead of him, but you could argue that he could have chased after it. But, you know, he wasn't afforded that opportunity because he was taken down by Hafez. And if the ball had maybe gone off to, like, well to, like, the left or the right, you know, quite blatantly, yeah. you could you could argue the case that well, maybe that wasn't, a, you know... If it goes away from goal, basically. Yeah, that goes off like horrendously. But, you know, this is just like a really bad first touch and the ball shoots out in front of him. But he could have potentially hurdled him and then ran after it. I don't think yeah. the goalkeeper was coming out. So the goalkeeper was uh, quite far. I mean, he, he did come from deep. So, yeah. But the ball also went quite deep. Uh, now, I watched uh, the entire post-match marathon discussion. Uh, and Metin Tekin, of course, former Besiktas legend, he felt pretty strongly about this. He felt like this was not a red card. Because, in his opinion, and I share that opinion, actually, um, Atiba isn't going to get that. And the goalkeeper is going to collect that ball before Atiba gets there. And therefore, it's not a clear-cut goal-scoring opportunity in, in, in his opinion. And I, I, kind of, I tend to agree with that. However, uh, Guntekin Onai, the presenter of the program, also made a very good point. And he said, look, the rule does not, uh, does not apply to how fast a player is, how fast an attacking player is. There, there's no exception. Look, it doesn't matter if that's Lionel Messi there or if it's Enzo Rocco. You know, it doesn't matter how fast that attacking player is. It's about, is it, in theory, a clear-cut goal-scoring opportunity and a last man? If, if the answer is yes, then it's a red card. And I think by the letter of the law, you have to give a red card here. But for me personally, I think yellow would have sufficed. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think empathy is very important in football. I think that always following the letter of the law... 
uh, to 100%. I think interpretation, empathy from a referee is important to a certain extent. I think in these types of cir uh, circumstances, for example, where you have really big decisions that influence the rest, imp impact the rest of the match, I think that's important. I think, for example, when you have uh, certain penalty positions where, let's say there's like a, a handball, an accidental handball, but and the ball is going into a zone where there's no attacking player. So there's no chance of goal scoring. For me, my personal opinion there then is, well, why is that a penalty? There's no goal scoring opportunity being taken away. But according to the letter of the law, that would be a penalty. If you know what I mean, this the situation I'm sketching. So here, yeah, I think um, controversy, I think people are right to be... Um, the thing is... To uh, have the, the feeling that's... Yeah, go can ahead. I say... Uh, because the thing is, uh, after Atiba hitting that ball too hard and it's getting mm -hmm. away that I, I don't think he's in chance to reach it afterwards so yeah, yeah but the, so but we the, can evaluate the position as a like a off the ball kind of foul because not mm, it's, it's uh, it, because no I don't think that's a, that, I don't agree with that because the, the ball leaves like just before he falls and so it's not like a position yeah, where he, a guy is running it, off the ball he kicked it in order to take the foul because his intent was to go off the ground. So uh, mm. he hid it away so that he's, he's, he's left He's clearly jumping the... over him. Yeah. So, so I don't agree. Yeah, no, but I don't agree that he's taking the fall on purpose. I think he's trying to avoid the fall. But uh, that doesn't even matter, actually. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, I think, like I said, red letter of law, red card is correct. But when you look, if, if the ref shows a little bit of empathy there... Uh, I think he should have given a yellow. But that also explains why VAR didn't intervene, by the way. VAR cannot intervene on this type of a situation because there wasn't a clear error by the referee. So it was on paper the right call. Uh, let's move over to the goal from uh, Kasim Pasha. Lots of controversy there too. Um, you have, of course, uh, plenty of people saying, well, they tampered with the image. Uh, how? Look at that foot. That you know, the, If you see the picture, it's quite, quite comical. It's like Rocco is wearing clown shoes. Uh, so that's the first thing. And then, of course, people are like, oh, there was a fall on Vida, uh, blah, blah, blah. And I looked at it back, but I'm going to have you guys uh, have your say first. Um, Man of the law, Burak, what did you think? Was there a fall on Vida in the build-up to the goal? Um, I think there was. I think it was um, that man Coiter again, isn't it? Our, our favourite. Yeah. Our favourite. He was involved in everything. He was really good, by the way. Bar the part that he should have gotten sent off. I thought he had a really, <laughs> yeah. really good match. Yeah, strong, strong player. Um, I'm, I'm looking at it again, but you, you see both players going for the ball, both him and Vida. And oh, it's, it's tough. I mean... Yeah. He steps on his he's, foot as he, he comes down. He comes in to get the ball. Like, he can argue that he does get the ball, but it's the follow-through, right? Yeah. For me, it's, for me, it's not a fall, by the way. I, I didn't think... I, do, I don't think you disallow a goal for that. I think that would... I, you know, that's, that's the thing. Football is a contact sport. I think there's always going to be a minimum of contact here. I think yep. Koita clearly gets the ball first. He's clearly on the ball first. His foot isn't high. Yes, yep. he comes down on Vida's foot. That's unfortunate. But I don't think that's worthy of disallowing a goal. That's just did did Coach get booked for that? No, he didn't. No, no, he no. But you know, Gustavo got sent off for something a lot less severe last week. Second yellow. Yeah, 
It's a different situation, though. I, I don't think it is. I think you come sliding in. Sliding tackles are always a little bit more risky. Sliding in gets and, and the plus. Ball. Plus, like I said last week, I didn't think that was worthy of a yellow either. But I don't think that was the case here. For me, this is like two players going for the ball, one player getting to it first, and then unfortunately stepping on his foot. But I don't think he's like planting his foot extra to hurt the guy. I don't think there's malicious intent or anything like that. And I, the thing I think you could argue is, look, Vida stays down because he got stepped on there, and that's why in the inevitable goal when it leads up to the goal there's a le- one defender less maybe the, the the referee should have stopped the play for for an injury or something but then i think again look are you gonna call off every attack because a player stays down in the middle of the pitch because then people are just gonna drop down and act like they're they're hurt all the time just to get that call which happens already but i don't then i think you're setting a dangerous precedent for me uh i i argued with my bishop friends too for me that was a clean goal um you know bar the clown shoe if that was tampered with but i don't believe so i just think it's a weird angle or whatever and it looks odd but uh yeah i mean it's controversial for for business fans how here we, but... how we seen last week in the Trabzon sport game how they zoomed in and give it the position in a detailed manner but this time they gave out from a distance you know yeah but the marathon they showed it over and over and they zoomed in and you can see the contact when he com- as he comes down but I, I think you know I don't know what you think Umo. did you think it was a fall on Vida no no, no. I, I'm talking about the offside uh, line uh-huh. yeah but they, they showed the line so what, what else did they need to do they did show a clear line yeah I, I but you know you've been saying that they've been like uh, it looked somehow weird and yeah, how I, the shoe I, I looked, think, how yeah. the toe looked. Uh, I think the problem is that uh, when when these things take long, the, like this this was a thing that took like three minutes or something. And I think when it, this, these types of things take that long, um, then people are go, you know people's minds go crazy and they're like, oh my god, they had plenty of time to Photoshop that. That's what people think. Like yeah, if you but... instantly put that <laughs> image out, that people can't say that. Because yeah, you but can't, you the know. thing is, how you been uh, talking about the fall thing? Uh, Koite did. Uh, also, they've been talking about it as well. Of course. The... Of yeah, course, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They, they I, have I understand that, but I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, I, this is not my mindset. I did, I did, I don't think this. Uh, that people, I, I don't believe that they tampered with yeah. the image or anything. They like have that. to reassess the whole position from the start, from the yes, beginning. Yes, of course. So. Yeah, they have to look at the fall first. Is it a fall? Yes or no? Then they have to look at the offside. So in this situation. I think it's normal that it took a little bit longer, but uh, we've had situations in the past where I think it takes way too long just to look at one thing. But of course, we don't know what else they're looking at. Maybe they're looking at like something on the other side of the pitch where the attack started, where we aren't even thinking of, and that's why it's taking five minutes. We don't know, but that's why why there should probably be a little bit more communication when there's a VAR check. Um, Anyway, uh, let's move over to then, uh, yeah, Koitas, uh, well, first he, he gets booked in the first half, then afterwards he, there's a, a counter chance where he gets called offside, I believe, uh, and then he kicks the ball away after the play, uh, which in theory is a yellow card and he should have gotten sent off there, uh, again, that's theory. Personally, I don't. Bel- I, I I don't feel you send off a player for that. I think that would. Like I told my friends, I think that would be cheap, uh, especially given the fact that they're already down to ten men. I don't think that's how Besiktas should be looking to win a match with a cheap red card like that. But then in the second half, 
the position with with uh, with Gukan went already on the yellow, and I think he just I, I think it's on purpose, honestly. Uh, the first one he took, I don't think that one's necessarily on purpose. That's just him being tall and a little bit clumsy, maybe, his, or having his arms wave around, and he accidentally hit Fida in the face. Um, but the rule is, you know, if you do that, it's a yellow. We saw Burak also get a yellow card for that in this match. Uh, but then the second one on, 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 on Gokhan, really, uh, for me, that's no forgiveness. That should be a red card. And uh, Umut, let's uh, see what you have to say first. What did you think of uh, Koita? Should he have gotten sent off? Yeah, yeah. I think so, uh, because of what he did. Uh, you know, he's, and, as you said, he's a kind of clumsy and uh, big-headed guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Big-head media, folks. Yeah, it's some kind of reminds <laughs> me of Jagni, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he's... I think I mean, he, yeah. he, he and Jagni should have been best friends since he was at the Kasim Pasha like a year ago or so. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I think it's uh, weird because uh, I think Koita has been at Kazanbacha for like three years or something. And I remember his first season, he didn't score for a very long time. And he was kind of being ridiculed. But he's really gro- grown into a fine striker, in my opinion. A very good target man. He's not a, he's not a, he's not a goal getter, but he's a, he's a very serviceable and very strong target man. He's the first guy this season that I've really seen give Domagoy Vida a run for his money. Uh, in every physical duel, and that's not that's not easy. Uh, Vida isn't the tallest, but he's very combative. He usually wins out. Uh, he's the first guy that really gave him a lot of trouble. Uh, Man of the Burak Sizgin, red card for Koita. Um, I think he should have got the second year for kicking the ball away. Um, I think so the position. Harsh. I think the position of the Gukan is, you know, six of one half, a dozen of the other. It's a it's a bit of a coming together, and he I don't think Gurkhan takes a hit to the face. He goes down holding his face, and you can see they come together, and Koita pushes him down from the back. I think that's less of a second yellow than the the kicking a board away, which is which is just a blatant, you know, um, almost descent type behaviour. Just you know, you've got the ball, poof, you know, you know, kick it away. Um, I think that should have been his, his second yellow in his red. I don't think the um, the, the incident with with Gukhan Ganul should have been uh, a second yellow. I just think that's two players come together, and you see that all the time with with nothing being given. Uh, so I've, 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 if there is a, another angle that isn't that is available, because I've only seen what's available on the Bean Sports highlights, I've not seen uh, different camera angles of it, which could potentially change my mind but having seen what i've seen from the highlights on being sports it looks like it's they've come together and he's pushed him in the back like Koita's pushed him in the back and gurkhan's gone to ground i can't see any situation where gurkhan's taken like a hit to the face no in marathon um, you could see that he uh that he I don't remember exactly how it mm. went, but you could definitely see that he uh, made contact with his face and it was a little uh it wasn't an it wasn't like a an orthodox move like mm. it wasn't a, a clumsy movement or anything it, it felt it looked kind of deliberate there. I also um, think El Nene should have got booked just before that as well for his um, yeah. his challenge and yeah, also he yeah. he got booked later on in the game as well yeah. El Nene so you know he was very lucky not to get his yeah, first yeah, I, yellow I card. Yeah, I agree with that actually. Um, El Nene is one of those. It's one of those cards where uh, I think the the the, the first yellow. Should have come earlier, and then of course mm-hmm. we're going to talk about second yellows. But yeah, 
but yeah, no, I agree that. But then again, I think Elneny's actual yellow uh, was on Koita, I believe, and I think Koita kind of flopped there. So then, you know, you go into uh, discussions of yeah. well, maybe. You know. But anyway, I, um, but yes, I think Koita should have been sent off. Then there's one more position, uh, which Atiba I don't Hutchinson think. and Koreshma. Oh yeah, well, uh, leading up to the to to the goal. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was a very nice. Uh, Some inappropriate hand movement by Atiba, I think. Nah, they're whole, they're they're using their arm. Both of them are using their arms very. Yeah, but uh, Atiba's hands lively. are in Koreshma's face. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, well, yeah, but. Quaresma's arm is in front of his neck and stuff. So I mean, that's that's two players fighting for the ball. Uh, I I think I don't think you can call it off here because both players are doing the same. That's like two players pulling each other's shirt. Are you gonna fall one guy for do, what do, what the, the other guy is doing exactly? But uh, Buak, uh, go ahead and uh, have your say on that. <laughs> um, that was a, that was a tussle, I think. Um, it's. Like That's the say, physicality you, of football. You yeah, you, you've got to allow some kind of contact. You got, you are going to have to put your arm on someone's shoulder or, or across their chest at some point when you're you're fighting for position. We see it happen on corners all the time, and the ref may call it back and say, "Hey, cut it out." But that says a corner's being taken. And I think what happened with Atibar and Karesma here is just uh, two guys. They call it jostling for position um, in the Premiership commentary in England. They love that word jostling. I think that's what they were. They were having a bit of a tussle, a bit of a wrestle with each other, but nothing that, to me, said, okay, that should be flagged for a, what was it, um, foul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I don't think they, you know, it's like, you know, Mr. Barbrady from from South Park. Move, move along, nothing to see here. <laughs> Uh, then in the 76th minute, there's uh, Ilhan Depe actually gets a yellow card. And when I looked at it at first glance, I was like, okay, nothing wrong there. But then in the marathon replay, uh, they showed it uh, close up. And you see that he's actually ma- he's actually lifting up his elbow and s- smacking Gokhan in the face. I don't know what it was with Gokhan in his face in this match, but I think it's a red card. And uh, the, the, the guys in uh, marathon felt the same way. And that's actually something I, d- I don't even know if it's in the highlights. Uh, and I, I noticed actually today that even uh, Burak's, opportun- uh, Burak's scoring chance isn't in, in the highlights either. Like the highlights seem to be very limited. But uh, I don't know if you saw the Ilhan Depe position. If you managed to watch it uh, up close, Burak. Um, I've not managed to see that. No, um, like I say, this wasn't a match I was I was watching. Uh, personally, sir, so you I... were watching it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, but I, 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 I honestly I don't remember that Ilhan Depe position. So no, it's it's one of those things, you know. I. I if they wouldn't have showed it in marathon, I wouldn't even have thought about it. Yeah. For me, that wasn't even a point of contention. And then I saw it back. And I think that's that also goes to show you that if you go in and zoom in on every single position, like they always do at marathon after the match, then you can probably find three or four potential red cards in every match. Uh, Umut, I don't know if you managed to see this position. No, I have no notion. <laughs> Okay, uh, and then it's uh, Umut uh, Nair who gets the winner in the fifth minute of stoppage time, and uh, Jermaine Lance, who had been on the pitch at that point for about twenty minutes, I don't think he had done a single thing right. Uh, 
with a fantastic solo effort on the right and uh, kind of reminiscent of his uh, days at Fenerbahce where he'd uh, do exactly that and then just uh, square it and uh, for the easy tap-in for the for the striker, I think it was often Musa Soe in that case when he was at Fenerbahce. But uh, yeah, great winner for, for Besiktas right at the end. But really, when you're playing 80 minutes against 10 men, you probably expect better. This was uh, not the best performance from Besiktas that we've seen. Uh, but also, uh, yeah, a difficult game, of course, for Besiktas. Kasim Pasha away always is. Tough. How would you... I would just say that playing against Quaresma and Mustafa Pektemek all those years after. I think they were both very hungry. Pektemek worked really hard. And uh, even I think they said, said after the match on League TV, uh, even said uh, when those two guys came off, uh, Kasim Pasha lost a little bit of their combativeness. I think Quaresma had a really good game. Uh, I mean, he was at the... I don't remember exactly the build-up to the first goal if he was involved, but the second goal, he played a very big role. He, he had a very good... Uh, true pass on uh, on um, Hayradinovic who ended up uh, sc- uh, crossing it in for, uh, for for Koita and then actually something I forgot to mention a really crucial point in the match I think the, the turning point if you will uh, was at 2-1 Mustafa Pektemek is sent through on goal alone and uh, Vida somehow managed to catch up and blocks his shot uh, that could have potentially been the 3-1 and, and probably the killing blow uh, almost certainly so really Vida uh, I think saved Besiktas uh, from losing there and uh, that was uh, one of those crucial uh, points in the match that turned things around uh, with looking back at it in hindsight and I would just like to highlight Vida's amazing form this season ever since that Gaziantep red card I think he started off the, sl- the season slow like Vida tends to do uh, last season was the same like he wasn't really great in the, the first couple of matches but He's been absolutely phenomenal uh, the last, uh, I don't know, uh, 10 games or so. He's been absolutely... I I, I don't think there's a better central defender in Turkey right now. He's just fantastic at the moment. I'll fight anyone who disagrees. (laughs) And uh, a big hand in your goals by all the ex-Fenerbahce players as well. Last week it was Janer to Gökhan. Today it was Gökhan to... To, uh, to 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 Janner for the assist, and then of course Lenz and uh, again Gukhan Gukhan with two assists, Lenz with an assist, Janner with a goal. So lots of ex uh players. It's working out better this time around than it did in the mid two thousands when we had a bunch of uh, your your ex players like Ali Gunesh and Mustafa Doan and uh, oh god yeah Nobre and. We seem to buy half your. T- we seem to have signed half your team. All the guys that had expiring contracts in the summer of two thousand and four, we signed them up. Mehmet Yozgatle. Oh. Yeah, I did love him. To be fair, um, but yeah, he was already he was shy by the time we got him. So. Exactly, we had his best years <laughs> with this crazy haircut. <laughs> Okay, um, and then there's just one match left to talk about. That was the Monday fixture: Kayseri Spor, Rizespor, and Kayseri get a very important three points here uh, in the ninth minute. Artem Kravets scores the only goal of the match, finishing the match one nil. Uh, I managed to catch the final bit of this game, and the ending was absolutely crazy with a really good save by uh, a fantastic save by Silvio Lung on the line. Uh, throws it out, I believe, or at least the ball ends up at the other end of the pitch, and uh, Kaiser somehow managed to completely uh, mess up uh, the, the golden opportunity to make it 2 0. But uh, a very good win for Kaiser Spore, who needed that desperately um, to stay alive, really. And Rizespor, 
We've been saying it for weeks now, up and down, up and down, up and down. They're really good at home, getting lots of points there. But away from home, they're, they haven't won in I don't know how long. Uh, but they did make a point out of it in the post-match uh, uh, interview. They didn't mention how many games exactly, and I haven't done my research, so I do apologize for that. But uh, the, one of the, the reset players said, well, we've been looking for a win away from home for, for far too long now. But yeah, big win for Kaiseri. I I know, Burak, you probably were hoping... <laughs> for them to uh to uh lose this one uh after the way they uh they done you wrong uh in uh, your match of course fuck those guys they're still bottom <laughs> uh umut what, what were your thoughts on this match uh, i think uh wants to make some changes and uh somehow he managed to uh, bench that 15 year old guy uh, after some showing yeah, off his and captain. taking the credit, uh, <laughs> like yeah, like that's all empty, empty, you no know, things he did. He wants to be the star, you know, Blantigun kind of egoistic megalomaniac guy. Showman, uh, yeah, showman. He is. Uh, he wants to be the attention, uh, the center of the attention, you know. So. He somehow managed to bench that guy, uh, Emre Demir, a 15-year-old right midfielder, and put a proper uh, Zia Alkurt, Alkurt uh, on the side and Artem Kravets afterwards uh, playing with a, somehow uh, uh, Umut Bulut for these weeks. And Artem Kravets... Uh, after uh, also, you know, uh, we have to mention that Adebayor left the team. I think. Uh, yeah, that's correct. His last match was he announced it after uh, in the post match yeah, interview so, last uh, week. Artem Kravets uh, found his chance and scored a goal uh, after finding that chance uh, for the team uh, for the win. Actually, on the other hand, Charkarija suppose Oljan Chalian missed too many chances during the game and. Both the star players, Umar Emino and Brian Samidio, uh, failed to uh, find the goal during the game. Also, they didn't have the, I think their best player is the uh, right, uh, you know, right back. Who? What was the name? I s- always for Morozyuk. Morozyuk or yeah. Melniak? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They. One of the two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They look. Their names look the same. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morozyuk was missing for them, and I think they uh, he missed too much for the offensive side of the game. Uh, he's a, a wing back who wants to uh, go for the uh, go up front and uh, somehow crosses and uh, some through balls to the offense players. And plus, Mustafa El Kabir has been injured for yeah, a very so, long time. They've missed him. And I think they really miss a striker. I think that's one of their main issues. Yeah. Also, Oljan Chalian is not a proper striker as well. Like he's mm-hmm. like a secondary striker. That, uh, he, scored, he scored this one amazing goal of the season against Besiktas. Yeah. Yeah. How, somehow he <laughs> did that, and also with a great run as well. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, great finish. So. These uh, after these uh, things, Kaiserspor uh, gone through. They somehow find a win uh, against Rizespor, and Ismail Kartal didn't have too much in the in his hands to make a change because 
all the squad he has is this one, uh, and uh, he doesn't have a proper striker to be honest. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he's counting on Oljan Chalian, but he's been missing too many opportunities for Rizespor, and uh, I think that's that. Yeah, let's head over to the standings and let's take a look at the effect of the this week's uh, result in the Turkish Super League. So, still at the top of the table, of course, following their victory are Sivaspor. They are now on 30 points. Now, Besiktas are in second position with 27 points. And then we have two teams in third and fourth on 26 that are Trabzonspor and Istanbul by Shakshir. And then Fenerbahce closes out the top five with 25 points. And then we have a two-point drop off to Galtzrai who are in 6th position with 23 then we have Alanya Sport with 22 in 7th position and Gustepe and Yenemalatia Sport both have 20 points in 8th and ninth position respectively then starting on the right side of the column we have Denizli Sport with 18 points in 10th position, Riza Sport in 11th position with 17 the same amount of points as Gaziantep who are in 12th position, Kinsterberli then are in 13th position with 14 points, the same amount of points as Konyaspor, who are in 14th position. And then we have Kasim Pasha just hanging, dangling above the relegation zone with 12 points, the same amount of points as the first team in the relegation zone, Antalyaspor, but Kasim Pasha have a better goal differential. And then in 17th position, we now have Kayseri Spor, who have moved up from the dead bottom spot. They have 10 points. And then, like I said, dead bottom, Ankara Gijou with 9 points. Let's take a quick look at the top scorers uh, in the Turkish Super League because there have been a couple of changes there. Uh, still, Papi Sisse is number one with nine goals, but he shares that position now with two other players as Vedat Muric has now climbed up to nine. Uh, oh, sorry, three other players. Adis Jahovic also has nine goals. And, of course, Alexander Surlov has nine goals. So, yeah, uh there's a very interesting battle for the top scorer standings there for sure. Uh, Bogdan Stanko has eight goals, so he's just one behind. And then we have Enzo Crivelli with seven goals. And then there's uh, quite a drop-off to other players with five goals like Guillerme, Emre Kilinc, etc. Let's take a quick look at the fixtures for next week. On Friday, we have Alanya Sport taking on Antalya Sport, so a neighbor battle there. On Saturday, we have Rize Sport hosting Kasem Pasha, Genshterbeli hosting Gustepe, Galtzrai hosting Ankara Gujo to close out the Saturday. So that should be uh, probably an easy win for Galtzrai. They can get back-to-back wins, hopefully for them. Then on Sunday, we have Gaziantep hosting Kayseri Spore, Siva Spore hosting Fenerbahce, that will be probably the match to look out for. And Besiktas hosting Yeni Malatya Spore, another very interesting fixture. And then finally on Monday we have Trabzon Spore hosting Denizli Spore and Bashakshi here hosting Konya Spore to close out match day 15. Guys, uh, any match in particular you're looking forward to? Burak, of course, Fenerbahce, but any other match that... Uh, sparkles your interest um i'm looking forward to the seaside derby alanya sport versus antalya sport um if only that match could have been played in the summer that would have been amazing it's going to be a fight of who's got the best hotels and best tourists <laughs> what about you Umut? except for the girls match which game are you looking forward to the most yeah i'm looking forward to conceit seven from paris saint-germain all right midweek we have <laughs> 
Seven? Yeah. No, no, no. Okay, that, nine. That's in particular to Besiktas, please. You're, you're, uh, you're conceding nine. No, no, no way. Damn it. <laughs> okay, of that course. That is yeah, a privilege for the, Besiktas. You know, the, the midweek fixtures have become such a, you know, the, the, the European fixtures have become a little bit of an afterthought, of course. But yes, Galatasaray are in actions in the Champions League in Group A, of course, against Paris Saint-Germain in Paris. And they still have a slight chance of going through to the Europa League. Should they I get... hope they pity oh. us and score less because I don't think we're going to have a win from Paris. <laughs> I think, uh, given the form that Muslera is in, I highly doubt that they'll be putting uh, they'll be, they're putting seven past you. But you never know. He, they, Cristiano I mean, Ronaldo did. Mad- Mad- Madrid put six past you, so you yeah, know, I mean, yeah. So you don't, you never know. Um, <laughs> and of course, a Bishik are also in action. They are playing Wolverhampton on the road. Wolverhampton are already qualified. Uh, Bishik will probably be playing a B team, so that's going to be interesting to see uh, the battle of the C teams probably there. Uh, hopefully, Besiktas can get a win so that there's some coefficient points for Turkey. Um, then we also have Brashakshi here who will travel to Germany to take on Borussia Mönchengladbach. And they still have a chance to go through, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then, of course, Trabzonspor are already eliminated. They will be playing uh, Basel uh, in uh, Switzerland. So... Um, yeah, those are the European fixtures midweek for those of you who are interested. Usually we'd be a little bit more um, excited for those, but obviously we've had a terrible season in Europe, unfortunately, for all our clubs, except for Bershakshir, uh, who have done okay. But uh, that's pretty much that. So uh, those are the fixtures in the league and in the... In the, in the European competitions. We also have our returns of the Turkish Cup coming up in a couple of weeks. Those will taking those will be taking place on the 17th, 18th, and 19th of December, just before we head into the winter break. So all those return matches of the Turkish Cup first legs that we already discussed earlier today. Uh, I think that'll do it for this episode, episode 14 of our second season of Football Alaturka. Thank you very much for listening. And if you join us new from the Big Head Media Network, then uh, welcome to the show. And if you're, of course, still with us as faithful followers, and thank you very much to Burak. Um, any big plans this week? Any dances planned? Uh, no dances planned this week, but there is a lot of Christmas parties to be attending. And so someone may ask me to bust out a tango. So you never know. <laughs> Umut, how about you? Are you planning any hot dates? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, might have been. You don't know. The life of the student uh, isn't that filled with Tinder and all that kind of crap. Maybe. <laughs> uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know as an old man. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, thank you very much for listening, people. And we'll see you again next week. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Catch there.